Welcome back to Inspiring Neighbors Podcast, where we showcase seemingly ordinary people with extraordinary stories. Today, we provide you with part two of the Malu Satiro story. Uh, if you've been waiting one week, thank you for waiting. If you've been waiting five minutes or five seconds, we still thank you for waiting. Please enjoy Malu Satiro part two. Let's talk to our neighbors, because everyone can inspire. The Inspiring Neighbors Podcast Light Your Fire. Now, I've heard like there's a, the newer generations, they're getting wise, I think, and, <laughs> and, and tough and good or bad, I don't know. But they, the idea that like you talk about this company is like a family is, is, is seen as people react to it as a bad thing. Like the company's trying to take advantage of you in some way by making you feel this way. Um, when I came to the company, I legitimately felt like this company is like a family. And and never have I looked back when, in a wiser state of mind and said, oh, I was being taken advantage of. That wasn't a genuine, sincere thing. But but I don't think that that's common. I think it's, even with good intentions, that it's easy to build a company thinking like I'm going to treat people well so that I get more out of them like it's very transactionary mm-hmm. nature and and i don't never felt that way don't you know uh, haven't since uh but i think the level of generosity and culture that you guys created you know whether it was like the barbecues or the christmas parties or the you know we would we watched the the world cup <laughs> at lunch like not even at lunch like whatever time the game <laughs> was on was whatever the t- like in the big screen in the conference room it was like mm-hmm. everybody come down at some point we had we have a few mexicans in the company and then you know mark and Malou from bets brazil oh, so when yeah. when it was a brazil mexico game like there were yeah. bets and they were followed through you know people had to do silly things uh the the sound of laughter from Malu was just like constant consistent through the company and just like no um fake like sense of formality mm-hmm. or or pro- propriety like professionalism in, in that like uh cold kind of way it was just everybody was giving their best because they cared and because the the passion that you and Marco had built and mm-hmm. and you know other partners that say uh that that was just contagious and the joy of work was contagious and the joy of being a team in, in some way was contagious that is not anybody can do that <laughs> i can say that like it's it's the complete opposite and and just one more thought on that it's like even planning a simple event, which I did like the simplest event that, you know, I, you could imagine this this year for the first time I was kind of like trying to organize something. The like overthinking I did about mm. what would make people happy and how do I do this and how do I make them feel appreciated and, and what is enough and what is actually possible within the budget and just it, there's no equation solving. <laughs> That is that complicated. <laughs> Keeping people happy is the toughest equation that I can imagine and mm-hmm. and making them feel appreciated. And and you did that. Well, thank you, Angela. And the thing, I, I believe that the misconcept was that I was all about that and I didn't care or disrespect the systems and the procedures that had to be 
in the mm-hmm. company, legally speaking. Mm-hmm. And I was literally pushed aside. And that for me is the kind of behavior that people that are so insecure of their own selves mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. to proclaim their spot on this earth in yeah. many aspects in business in life as friends as when you're not sure of your own capabilities when you're not when you don't owe who you are entirely yeah you just use tools like that to proclaim to the world that you're better or that you are more than you actually are. And I came to realize that just not very long ago. And the feeling I have, and I did that a couple of times. And I can tell you it was a very few times and not in the extent that was done to me. Mm. And what I see now what I hear people one of them was a gentleman talking about meditation I can't remember his name oh, this podcast. Yeah. now I hear certain people and when you you hear people that are happy content and true to themselves is the opposite behavior mm-hmm. of the, and, yes. it, and it becomes so clear to me now when people are, when I see them interacting, it's like, you don't need to go. I feel like saying you don't need to do that, yeah. but I can't, I can't save the world. It's for them to find their own place. Mm-hmm. But it was an accumulation of those events of hearing somebody who I treasure and I treasure to this day saying, oh, what she does. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's a funny Seeing when you look back and you realize, oh, it wasn't about me at all. Mm-hmm. It was about their own selves. Mm-hmm. I was okay with what I was doing. I was secure with what I was doing because I knew where I needed help, but I also knew where I could thrive and do things well. Yeah, They were the ones that wasn't, weren't sure mm-hmm. what was there by right or by grace or by capabilities. Yeah. I feel like fear has a, an enormous power to take over the way people behave. Um, I think it was Malcolm that talked about fear. There's kind of the, if you're being true to yourself, there's not a lot of fear there. If you're not, then the fear is kind of controlling you and you mm-hmm. make decisions based on fear and those are often yeah. terrible decisions. Um, thank you for championing... <laughs> no, I'm the, far from it. The, I guess the the culture and the quality and everything that you created in that um, it's gone more than just within the company. Like I've heard it. I can speak to my experience. I've had 10 jobs in 12 years and I've never found a culture that Angela, similar to what Angela has described. So kudos to you for creating that and sticking to it and making that important because I think it is important. And Angela, you've mentioned like the younger generation kind of the, the older people will say they're, they're entitled and they're just, they think all of a sudden they deserve this. I think people do deserve it. And if you build a culture like that, you will have people that you can trust and they're faithful to you and they're happy and they love coming to work every day, um, but for whatever reason, it's so 
it's it's not normal to think that way and i don't know what that is comes to what angela said in the beginning the 50 minutes being late and we laugh because in our at the time we trust that the work had to be done they knew for when it has to be done so when you did for us was like whatever Mm -hmm. so the environment was you can come and go anytime you please you are a young young adult you know i always made an effort to have whatever snacks or you know what do you want what do you like and to have it there so they could come working during the night or take a kid to the doctor and work the next day an extra hour whatever you need to do mm-hmm. we weren't about to you know clock clock in and clock out and i think that gave a freedom that some really thrive on it a couple had problem because some people they can't deal with too much freedom. Mm, they need the structure. So they need the structure, and we also were trying to accommodate that. But for us, was was just a no-brainer. Mm. Do what you need when you can do it, as long as you deliver. Yeah. You know, that's part of being an adult. Mm-hmm. You have a job to do, do it well, and when you can. But that was our, it wasn't this thing that has to have cameras. Everything has to be locked up because you might take batteries home god forbid to take a back back of batteries home you know we trust and i think they saw the return of the trust yeah and that's how i feel in any relationship you know respect trust those are the layers of loving any kind of relationship there's the romantic partner but there's the friends there's the parenting relationship you gotta trust and get the trust back mm-hmm. you gotta respect and you get the respect back and those are things that I learned from my parents. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah, I think the young generation should know what they are entitled, but also what they deserve and also what they need to work for. Mm-hmm. Those are different things, right? Yeah. I can't just expect to sit here and get everything that I assume I deserve. Mm-hmm. It would be nice, but it's not that way. I got to do something for mm-hmm. that to come to me. Yeah. In the in the last few years, you've done a lot of grieving. You've done a lot of probably growth. Could I? Would you agree with that? Yep. The kind of growth that you growth that you don't want to learn or yeah. know. I didn't know what grieving was for the longest time. I lost a brother in 84, and of course, but you know, when I lost Marco, (laughs) I learned what grieving is. Mm -hmm. I lost my soulmate, I lost my best friend, I lost the father of my kids, I lost my lover, everything. But I didn't realize until after about a year or so, or even it's a process, I guess, that I was grieving before. I was grieving the loss of my daughter, who didn't die, who left home or who left us in 2010 and went to do whatever she's doing. And it's been seven years, more than seven years that I don't see her in person. I hope she's well, and I wish her all the best. And I have the enormous amount of hope that one day we are going to at least connect again and be able to hug. Mm-hmm. 
but the daughter I knew until 2010 is gone mm -hmm. because now she's 32 years old and she has developed in this adult woman that I don't know and I would love to get to know her. Mm -hmm. But I was grieving that and I didn't know that was grief. Mm -hmm. Because of what was going on on that situation, my marriage went through some tension. I, at one point, when I was also grieving and I knew I was going to lose my job, and I did, I just didn't know I was going to grieve my job, Marco went to uh, Potsdam, upstate New York, to mm -hmm. teach. And he did that because he couldn't deal with what was going on with our right. daughter. Okay. He couldn't deal. He blamed that he couldn't deal with the job anymore. But it was, and that was hard in our marriage because yeah. I was here with a job that I was fighting with all I had to keep because I think I could have continued my career and I call it a career. Yeah. And I wanted to have a chance, but it was being stripped from me. And he left me. He left me in the mouth of the lions. Mm -hmm. And then he's gone. And, you know, so I had lost the daughter. He's gone. Connor's leaving to L.A. And that came my so-called retirement. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really lost my job. And I felt, okay. Uh, we were talking, and I decided, okay, I'll move to Potsdam. I didn't want to lose anything else. Yeah. I didn't want to lose my marriage. I love that man. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, wait, we're not going to go to Potsdam. We're going. There's this other job cooking here, College Station. I had been to College Station near Houston. I said, awesome. Mm -hmm. There's more people than cows. Well, not really, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the whole thing comes. This is 2015. Melanie had left home May 21st, 2015. That was the last time I saw her. And then 2016 comes. I leave Calgary May 12, 2016. Remember you guys? Oh me dinners and parties you're calling us the jet setters <laughs> I met him in New York we went to Porto in Portugal and from there we went to Brazil came back to New York I was helping him pack Connor came there spent his 21st birthday with me and his dad the three of us had a ball then we drove Connor to Syracuse, he took his flight to LA. Marco and I drove to College Station, and that was when we reconnect. Was mm -hmm. I guess the second or third honeymoon, or whatever you want to call. We were in a great spot, and I remember driving through College Station with him. And one day I asked, we had just seen the house, and we were actually driving through the golf course there. And I said, so what do you expect me to do in this town? And he said, oh, you can just be my ambassador. You can just learn how to golf and plan the parties and the dinners, and we're going to have barbecues. Angela know how he liked the barbecues. And mm -hmm. The house was exactly what we want. And 
we're supposed to have nirvana. We're supposed to, you know, we were going to let our daughter know where we were, but we want a fresh start. We wanted to be away from the noise, from the bad influence, not influence, from the bad energy and just be in a place where the kids could come to us. Mm -hmm. And But, you know, and the company wasn't sold at the time. He was going to have his job and we were going to have a mortgage and we had everything planned, but we could do this, you know. And less than what, we got there June 27 of 2016. July, we went to uh, Portland for one of the business meeting and that he had. And I have no shame to say after a while, I travel a bit with Marco for conference and stuff. I remember one phrase of one wife, one of the wives who had a career and was very proud as she should of her job. But once she said to me, so you just play the wife. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, yeah, I love playing the wife. Anytime you say you want to come, I'll play the wife because mm-hmm. I earn it. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I feel like and we enjoy it was our time together. But anyways. So he was going to be working and everything. And then August 3rd, 2016. He comes, we were living in a rental apartment. He comes home for dinner and he was supposed to have gone for a business dinner, a business meeting during dinner and something happened. And I was going to make dinner. He said, no, let's go for a walk and we'll go for dinner. And that night we were crossing the street on a light that was open for us. And he was hit by a pickup truck. And 34 days later. He died. Oh my God. So Nirvana never happened. Mm. And what upsets me, well, there's lots that upsets me about that day, but when it comes back to the company and to the dreams and everything was that this was 2016 Lots happened from that day until April, beginning of April 2018, when I learned that the company was going to be sold. Mm-hmm. And then lots more happened <laughs> until <laughs> the money's crossed hands and everything is, was done and sad. But the worst thing for me, Trevor, is that it was Marco's idea, it was Marco's company. But it took me a long time, from 2016 to until even a few months ago, to say we made that happen. We got to where we are. I feel very guilty that the company sold well and that he's not here to enjoy the things that now I can enjoy. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that bothers me the most. Because we both work just as hard, but he should have been here to enjoy, and he didn't. So when you ask if I saw the company as ours, Angela, yes, it was our company. I just, at times, I didn't feel I could say that because my name wasn't on the papers. It's not that I inherit the the (laughs) shares. 
I just came to have what was mine, to st- partly, partially mine to have. Mm-hmm. And lots of people don't agree with that. But I say that with so certain now. Good. And again, looking back, I would do things different in the sense, are you going to start a business with a spouse? So start a business with a spouse first. Put it on the paper. Because mm-hmm. then nobody can come and belittle you mm-hmm. or say that you're just lucky to inherit this. No, I wasn't lucky. I worked my ass off. Mm-hmm. If it was by cooking lunches at three in the morning or sleeping, whatever I was doing, I had enormous parts. I didn't solve equations, mm-hmm. but I washed carpets in meeting rooms. I put furniture together. I did many things. I don't regret I had the ball mm-hmm. and I would do it again, but I would change the legalities of it. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes to the point to say, oh, it's, it's COVID's fault, that people find ways to deflect yeah. mm-hmm. just to make them feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Don't be sorry. I'm so proud of you for coming and telling that story. I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, I think I see so much strength in your knowing what you deserve and knowing what you're worth. Mm-hmm. It's so, so powerful to hear you talk about it because nobody can tell you otherwise. And that's such an incredible characteristic to have. Is there a faith that you've had that has helped you through those really painful events in your life? Um, I hate God mm-hmm. for the longest time. Yeah. I'm kind of coming to peace with him. Um, I was raised Catholic, but never followed too much. Yeah. Um, again, Marco used to say there must be somebody big up there, but he was a science guy. And, and praying for us, and I think in parts I can say this for him because... I believe I know him better than anybody. Praying was through your actions. Praying when you're working. Praying when you're playing. Praying when you're making love. Playing, praying when whatever. I don't disrespect the church or the whatever people do. So what has carried me through? It's memories. Mm-hmm. I hope I'll never forget the love I had and the love I have and mm-hmm. I nurture it to this day. Okay. Um, some people like Angela and a few other that I can count in my fingers that have been there t- for me physically there emotionally there and text message away that carries me through to this day Uh, my kids there was a moment after losing Marco that I came very close to just end my own life Mm -hmm. because I couldn't see the reason yeah the reasons my two kids Mm -hmm. you know they are the biggest uh, 
the most important thing that Marco left for me. It's part of him and I. Yeah. Regardless of who they become or what they're doing, and they're my kids. Mm -hmm. That is something that, you know, I can go on and say, but I know where those kids start start on that first time him and just the rearview mirror and we catching each other's eyes on that mirror it started the first kiss the first time we made love that's when those kids started mm -hmm. everything we did the decision to stay in canada moving away from our families leaving everything that was near and dear to us not seeing our my parents passed away i wasn't there his grandparents passed away Everything, people who died, people, people who was born, birthday parties, weddings, we left all that behind to make a better life for our kids. Mm -hmm. And of course we made mistakes. No parent is perfect. Mm -hmm. And I'm a great mom. He was an amazing dad. We were great parents. And we want to give to our kids everything that we didn't have and more and i think that's any parent yeah you know how do you do that and be the champion and the gold star that you're the best parent in the world i don't know mm -hmm. but i can tell you that we did an amazing job so the reason that i continue to live it's for my kids mm -hmm. other few things carry me through marco's legacy that I can't tell you how many times I have heard you gotta forget about you, you know the seven steps of grieving the whatever steps of grieving mm -hmm. you gotta move on how do you move away from love how do you move on I ask myself my therapist <laughs> sometimes I hate her but <laughs> ask me do you think you're gonna you ever gonna stop loving Marco I don't think it's possible, Trevor. Me neither. And to be honest with you, some people say that that's cliche because we could be divorced by now. We, we could, we should, we would, but we're not. Mm -hmm. I lost Marco in a time where we were celebrating our love for each other. Mm -hmm. We were really going, I, I don't want to stop loving him. Mm -hmm. So there is this... Anytime people will ask me about Marco, I want to be able to say it. And if they want to hear my stories, I will tell. I will, you know, maybe I'll write about it or whatever. But he was an amazing person. That phrase, only the good die young. There's lots to be said about that. Because mm -hmm. he had lots to offer. Mm -hmm. So that carries me through. That carries me on. Uh, do I see myself being productive? Yes, lately I have have this little fire start under me. I still have lots that I can offer. Mm -hmm. I'm thrilled now. I've rediscovered Pilates. That's something that I first learned in 1984 in Sao Paulo, but Anyways, now I got my first certification. I'm teaching Pilates. I'm doing Pilates. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yoga, the same thing. I'm not teaching yoga, but I love it. And I'm in a time of my life that I can afford to do it. I can teach and mm -hmm. feel good about sitting and planning classes and think about students. This person has a bad shoulder. That person has... And, you know, a busy mind is a happy mind. Mm -hmm. 
and I find this might be my other call. I'm not going to do bookkeeping, but I'll count how many sit-ups a person can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I'm starting to feel like, so if that's a religion, if that's, maybe, <laughs> if mm-hmm. that was your question, I don't still have a church that I go every mm-hmm. day. I do meditate. And that's what I like about the way he explained meditation. I learned meditation through a dance teacher, Milton Carneiro, again in early 80s, mm-hmm. when I was in a dance company. He was a yogi, and, and we had to sit for minutes, sometimes more, and meditate. Can meditation be practiced that way? Of course it can. I don't take away from many of the teachers out there, yoga teachers or whatever they're called, that teach people to meditate and meditate themselves, I think is an awesome practice. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to find, and anybody out there can correct me, what meditation is for you. Yes, I agree. I love to go walking without music, without anything. That's one of the times I'm meditating. Mm-hmm. I'm meditating when I'm at home sometimes, just sitting having a cup of coffee or not, and having a conversation with my late husband. Call mm-hmm. me crazy, but I talk to him every day. Mm-hmm. That's part of my meditation. Mm-hmm. I'm meditating by just thinking about my kids or finishing a phone call with Connor and sit there and just try to put in my mind as I put it out there in the universe, what my wishes for him are, or what I I would like to tell him, but I tell myself, not yet, not now. Because, again, that being better, being a worse person as you grow older, I think as a parent, I learn now, I believe, to read my kids a little better, and just realize that this is not the right time to say, even a silly thing, why did you buy that in the supermarket? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not important. Mm -hmm. Or a very important thing that I think, maybe he's not ready to listen to that yet. Maybe in 10 years from now, we will have this conversation and I'll say, you know, that was a big fuck up. Mm -hmm. I should have said what was in my mind. But right (laughs) now I think it's working, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's not just with my kids, it's with anybody, because being yourself is something that I treasure. Will I speak my mind as I'm doing right now, pretty much in public, is something that I treasure. But one thing I learn is I don't want to lose any more love in my, any more of my love, mm-hmm. my loves. And if biting my tongue and think about how to express myself or when to express myself is going to be a bit of a guarantee that I won't have an argument. Mm -hmm. I won't push that person away. Mm -hmm. That for me is important right now. I, I can't afford to lose to lose anybody else that I treasure. Of course, I understand. And that for me is meditating. Is when you stop, it's part of meditating. 
And when you stop and you just ask yourself, is this the right moment? Is this the right place? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes people are not ready to what you need mm -hmm. to say or you need for yourself. I completely agree. And I think even Malcolm and most good meditation gurus out there would agree that if you're, the goal is to connect to yourself and to find a peace within yourself and all those things that you describe, walking and speaking to someone, a loved one on the phone, those are all ways in which you connect to the peace within yourself. So I 100% agree that that is meditation. And the moment too, like and being, being in that aware moment. and being in the moment. Do you, like, and it sounds from everything you've experienced, you have been in touch with yourself. Oh, very much. Through your life. Like, you, you have a good sense of timing because now you're saying it may be time to come back to Calgary. It feels right. But you also knew that it was, you needed to stay there. Absolutely. After, after Mark was passing, that it, that was important to you. It was because if you remember, the house here was sold. We had bought the house. We made the offer and they accept on the second last week, 20-something, 24th or so, of uh, July and the accident happened on August 3rd so when the accident happened the house here sold the house there is kind of bought it and everything so you were there you remember so much uh, the day that the truck arrived in College Station with everything that I own here was the day that we went to Houston uh, hospital there and I told the movers just put everything inside, I need to lock the door because I'm... I gotta go. Drive. And then, of course, coming back to College Station. And Connor being with me, in my mind, it was like, I need to make home. My kids need to have a place to call home. I needed a place to call home. Mm -hmm. That wasn't cardboard boxes and everything. Yeah. And the thing was even worse because then for two and a half months, bank accounts froze. Everything was frozen until the legal work was done with the will investment, whatever. I couldn't receive the, the the house money from here. I didn't know how to pay the mortgage that was there. I had no credit cards, American credit cards. Mm -hmm. I had just some money from the trips. We, I was like, and I felt as a mom, and any parent can relate, you are a bear protecting your cubs. Connor was in the house with me. Mm -hmm. I needed mm -hmm. to show to this kid and to protect him that you lost your dad but you have a home. Yeah. You, we're here. We'll do this. Yeah. And the same thing with Melanie. I had a feeling that what if she decides to come? And So I needed to be there. And I was not in any... I wasn't capable mentally, physically, or emotionally, or financial, to not stay there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was just a simple thing. And there was a part of me that now was, I enter, I call it the widowhood, the widow's club. I entered this new place in my life that I had no idea how to handle. Mm -hmm. He wasn't there anymore. And I just want to 
be in a ball in the room and cry yeah. my eyes out and do nothing at all. Yeah. Because what are people going to say? What are people going to... I didn't know, and I still not clear what being a widow is. But to start, like, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah, is there an, an, an element of, like, building up your own identity again? There is a huge element of building up your own identity. Because I see myself still a mother. I will always be a mother. <laughs> that was the year that I turned 50. Midlife crisis, some will call. And I'm another country, second time, new country. New culture, it is the United States, but it's a new culture, mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. Texas. So mm -hmm. I don't want to go there, but it's where I, I didn't know anybody. I had just, so all those things. But in terms of identity, even when I thought that Mark was going to be there with me, losing my job of 19 years. It is a shift in your identity. I was going to be retired now. Mm -hmm. What was I going to be doing with my life? I was going to be the ambassador of my husband. We would be able to enjoy life as an empty nester couple. And nothing happened. And I had to rethink about, I got to get a job. Mm -hmm. Because at the time, the company hadn't been sold. And what did I do? I get a job in a construction company doing bookkeeping and being a, mm -hmm. a, you know, a jack of all trades because I was doing a front desk and bookkeeping and booking. And they were awesome to me. I was there for 18 months mm -hmm. and I was very... But, you know, I had to, to reestablish myself, but now mm -hmm. as a single parent mm -hmm. who is financially responsible for my life and the life of two other young adults, although Melanie wasn't close but still it's my responsibility and will always be and almost like you're a single woman now how do you relate to be took me a long time to take my wedding ring off my left hand because I felt what does this mean mm -hmm. you know? yeah what does being a widow mean and to be very honest with you as you know I had a relationship, I met a wonderful person. I'm the first one to say that he's an incredible guy and went to the point where I got engaged and that shift, because again, I'm finding myself yet on this new role. I will always be Marco's wife, but now I'm the widow, Marco's widow. Mm -hmm. So all those, call it titles or positions, whatever. But I'm also a single woman okay. who I like people, as you know, I'm very shy. <laughs> I, I love sex, have no shame to say it. It was a big part of my marriage and it's a big part of who I am. And yet I love to have connections. I, I don't see myself as a, a person who can live alone. I miss companionship. I miss having, will I have that again? I don't know. At this moment, again, having come off of a, this relationship, and it is a huge shift on finding yourself, on who you are in that sense as a woman. And of course, as a woman of a certain age, 
I'm not in my 30s or in my 20s anymore. I still find, and I, I laugh because, yeah, even doing Pilates, I mean, I'm the grandma of the studio again, you know, all the girls are much younger than me, and, and there's that competitor side of me, like, oh, I can do this, <laughs> oh, yeah. if you can, I can, the next day I can barely walk, but <laughs> darn, You're I can do that, it. you know. So there's all those things that there's a layer of beauty on it to rediscover yourself, to redefine yourself. But there's always that layer that's not who I plan to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing you grieve. Mm. I'm grieving the life I envisioned for myself. I'm grieving the life I thought my kids would be living by now. Mm. And that's where I find that word grieving is much more intense, much more complex than people make it to be. Mm -hmm. And you can do any seven steps 7,000 times a day. Mm. It's not that easy. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a terrifying concept. To that, Yeah, the, like the kind of loss, that kind of loss is, is so terrifying that probably just helps people to have some kind of structure and guidelines about this is this is how it happens it's very neat it's very organized and even if you've heard um all of that you know it's not that but it's it's unimaginable so having actually gone through it besides having the kids as your center and and being able to get through is is there anything that has helped you like any ideas any way of thinking about life or like how 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 to understand meaning or meaning of life it mm. sucks no i'm kidding it doesn't it's beautiful um again memories angela i you heard marco say many times how hard can it be sometimes it's so freaking hard And I find strength in some very small things. Like I said, sometimes just seeing pictures or, or watching a movie that I knew meant something to us. Um, I also sometimes take the time to think about phrases I heard. I heard once but you were laughing or you're enjoying yourself yesterday. Mm. How can you say you're grieving? Yeah. I'm oh not bad, yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's what for me is being on the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, if I am in a party and if I feel that I can joke and I can drink and I, or whatever, if I can enjoy myself, and joy is the word, right? And have joy at that moment. Why am I going to waste? Yeah. Why am I not going to do it? And that's something I learned by losing Marco. Why save that crystal dinner mm -hmm. or that better cup to drink just when your parents come to visit? Mm -hmm. You know, why not wear that shoe that you're planning to wear for whatever? Just do it because tomorrow, God, you might not be here. And that again is a cliche, but 
So, you know, there's sometimes I caught myself doing things like, yeah, I'm going to drink that bottle of wine because you know what? It's now. That's the time mm. that I'm going to do that. Or when I bought the Porsche, I bought it for me. But I bought because we were waiting to be in this Shangri-La place where mm -hmm. we were going to leave Nirvana and he was going to buy a Porsche or a sport car or, and we were going to cruise around mm -hmm. and then he fucking died and we didn't buy the Porsche. And I said, you know what? I'm going to buy the Porsche. Good and for you. every time I drive around, mm. who is in my mind? Mm. I didn't buy the sports one because I'm too short and I'm not as good as driver as he was well i am getting better and better but and still my porsche is pretty cool and i love it and you know could i have used the money for, of course you can use the money for anything mm -hmm. any, but i don't regret a single thing so those things carry me through i don't know if i'm answering your question and things like again even the therapist who i love her i love her you're not friends. She's just my therapist. <laughs> Keep it separate. But, and they, I like because she'll throw things at me that makes me think differently. Mm -hmm. And that's their job. And she does a great job. But sometimes I just throw that out of, out of the window. Like, you know, there's this thing that maybe if you set the table for four people, like I used to do, right? having dinner with the kids was always important and we did that so often so much i set the table once not long ago for four people and i could i start bawling because it's not my reality right now yeah. so instead i just want to eat whatever and blast the music and dance in my kitchen because that's what i need right now yeah and i'm trying to not be so judgmental to myself <laughs> if i feel and again I'm not prescribing it, but if I feel that that day I need to drink an extra glass of wine, you can judge me as much as you want. I'm going to drink that extra glass of wine. If I feel that I need to walk an extra mile and next day I, my whole body is going to be hurting, it's none of your business. I'm going to do it. So it's silly, but to come to, to think about my needs and even in more personal issues, I am starting to learn what some other very dear friends of mine have said many times. Put yourself first. Mm -hmm. Take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because another cliche is in the airplane, if you don't have the oxygen, you can't take care of anybody else. Yeah. So if I don't take care for myself, of myself, I can't be here for my kids. So that carries me through and that works for me. So, yeah, because there's all these kind of, you said, perspective or ideas that you can get from other people, ways of thinking about things or, um, but in the end, the most important thing is you take what works for you, but you, even if it's nothing that anybody else would agree with or tell you, you have to know, you have to be in touch with what you need. Exactly. Because that's individualism, right? Mm -hmm. What works for me might not work for you. It might not work for Trevor. Mm -hmm. But there might be other things that you guys do that for me will be like, whatever, it's not my thing. Mm -hmm. And the problem, I've, the problem, uh, one of the difficulties I find sometimes trying to talk to people about it is if they don't particularly have a good grasp of who you are, or don't know exactly your background or your story, 
it might come across like cookie or she's weird. She might be going to the way of the dodo with those ideas or whatever. And those are the moments, again, that I learned to, maybe this is not the right relationship yeah. to go that deep. Or maybe, you know, friends for a reason, friends for a season, friends for life. Mm -hmm. And I became much more smart on discerning, make the differentiation on that. One of the things that I did, and I believe you know about this, is um, sending a very small portion of Marco's ashes to space. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. And again, this came after selling the company and coming into some money and feeling extremely guilt of, I can buy a Porsche and drive and mm -hmm. fuel and, yeah. and what he wanted. And if you knew Marco, he was all about space, Star Wars, Star Trek, and Star whatever, and mm -hmm. new things that I would go, what? <laughs> okay, whatever. And we joked that uh, we would be up there one day, we would, you know, fly to space. We always had some silly, we were silly together sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so after he passed and the company sold, whatever, I want to do something special for him. I could feel like I'm sharing what we accomplish yeah. with you. So I came across this company uh, there in Houston, but what they do is, it's a memorial service. They mm -hmm. take portions or people's ashes and attach it to a satellite, sends to space, and there's four, and they don't pay me for the advertising, by the way. <laughs> so when I saw this, I, of course, got it. And they charge by gram, mm -hmm. by each gram of ashes. Mark was a big guy, so not <laughs> all of his ashes went <laughs> disclosure there. And there is a fee that you pay. It's a memorial service. So I came across this, and I said, that's, that's Marco, our round. Mm -hmm. Talked to Connor, and so I did send him in two, or a portion of him in two installments. January 2021, the first portion of Marco's ashes went, and we all watch online. And then just this past May, May 25th, was the second time, wow. and Connor met me at Cape Canaveral. And I can't say enough, they do it a beautiful job, mm -hmm. very respectful, very lovely done. And I wasn't expecting, and since last year, going back a little bit, there is a program online that uh, when you go on their website, you can do everything. And every time the satellite with this capsule of your loved one's ashes comes across your coordinates, you can follow on your computer and you oh, can say, cool. oh, okay. So that has been enormous to me, to be able to look up and imagine that Marco is there and looking down to his kids. And I know it has helped Connor lots. Mm -hmm. Just to have, it's not a place, but a moment. Yeah. I guess it's the same as going to a graveside. And mm -hmm. so that for me has been great. So this May I went and Connor was there. And the one thing they say when they're explaining how the launch is gonna be, you're three miles away from the rocket. And it, but they say there's gonna be this uh, sonic boom. First when the rocket go, but now with this new technology where the fuel tank comes and land, there's two very strong noises. Mm -hmm. They even offer uh, earplugs mm -hmm. if you want. 
And I said, no, I want to feel this, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect. Again, I like to just go and whatever. Mm-hmm. But they make it very private to where you are in this beautiful beach. And this day was fantastic. Yokun's daughter was there with us. So, and Connor's, uh, Dylan, Connor's girl was there as well. And people, and they put big screens where you can, or big... Uh, speakers where you can hear all the counting and stuff and when the rock lived was one of the most amazing things ever and i'll never forget those two sonic bones yeah were just like almost i don't know a salute mm-hmm. or something and so those things have helped me um, carry through to plan this for him to mm-hmm. say hey this is for you. You yeah. work for this. Yeah. You deserve it. And and again, just be able to look up there and just feel, maybe that's him. Hey, yeah. how are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, this connection and this contact. And for me, it's important. And now I have to learn how to navigate having, continue to have this relationship with him and maybe find somebody who will accept mm-hmm. me with this yeah that's another chapter but that's also very hard because it's hard it's hard to ask for somebody to say hey uh, come love me but I also love this and this and this and it's lots to ha- ask from somebody and I respect that I understand that yeah I would I would say you don't have to ask when when that person arrives. They just will, and you'll know. Do you still dance? Does dance have a big place in your life right now? In my kitchen, absolutely. (laughs) Dance still has a big place in my life. I still love to go see shows. I don't take ballet classes anymore, although if I move back to Calgary, I know there's adult ballet classes Mm -hmm. here, and I might take it. In College Station, not that. There's one place, but not really. Mm-hmm. And I teach ballet classes when they call me. I did that there as well for about a year and a half. Mm. Uh, I became very lucky that uh, I teach now not for money. I always do pro bono. Yeah. And I love that. And from my side, I have some uh, limitations now. I can't jump much more or at all. I have mm-hmm. to be very careful. I have a bad knee now. Mm-hmm. I have to be very conscious of what I can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. Depending on the age that you teach, and that's why I like to teach intermediate to advanced class, because you can just say something. Right. The kids know the lingo, they know what you're talking about, and they follow through. Young kids, you got to show. You gotta... So that becomes an issue, because, mm-hmm. you know, I can't do that anymore, but I still love it. What was it like to come? Because it had been a while since you were in like a dance studio. Yeah. What was it like to come back? I love it, Angela. And it was not very long ago, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, because uh, the studio, the kids were going to audition for the Nutcracker production for the end of the year. So the owner asked me, can you come and give a few class? And one of the biggest things, and I think any teacher... I can only talk from the dance part and now from Pilates. One of the biggest satisfaction for me 
is when you teach a person or a kid and maybe after a couple of class and the thing you're trying to to verbalize the thing you're trying to pass on clicks mm -hmm. and not only you see the click in their minds but when they put it through their bodies so being away from this particular studio and go back there and see the girls and the progression they made it's like oh or when they say something oh you know i love and pilates is different in the sense pilates or yoga is different in the sense that you don't have the responsibility of preparing that person or that student to move on up on the levels ballet you're pre always preparing a kid to audition to a show or to do better there's like be an better. end goal like yeah clear. right you have those steps while pilates or yoga or, or even bar class i taught a few bar classes as well the exercise class is just for that moment and mm -hmm. it's usually adults and they come for a good workout and the goals are you know to look better to feel better but you're not preparing them so that takes the edge out mm -hmm. of teaching mm -hmm. But still, for me, it's such a satisfaction when you see the progress and you see students coming back and they comment. And so those are the reasons I do it, you know. Do you think consciously about how to inspire students? Or oh, absolutely. Just... Yeah. And I love joking in my class and I try to keep them engaged and the songs I play or the jokes I made. Yeah, I try to inspire them to come back to do better to go farther, you know, and sometimes to use myself as uh, as an inspiration point. I, <laughs> I, I know you are. so good at it. I can imagine all So the kids I have fun, you. you know, and yeah. So in one way, I didn't go to Belgium, but I am satisfied with where I am and the things I accomplish. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, thank you for coming oh, to share welcome. all of this and being so open. Uh, it's my pleasure. Angela told me you were strong, but you outdid yourself. You are <laughs> a very, very strong and inspiring woman. So we very much appreciate you coming here. And I appreciate it. And I do admire you to doing this. I think you have so many people that can offer their inspiration to others out there because, you know, it's hard, but it's possible and so rewarding. <laughs> there was a moment in, like right as we were beginning where I would get these messages uh, on Instagram. Malu liked this, Malu liked this. And then when you like a story, it comes in a message. And I just was like, I have to find out who Malu is <laughs> because she's our biggest fan right now. What? So thank you for all your support. Oh, you're very welcome. And really, you guys have had some amazing stories and some incredible people you know and i think you've always been that kind of presence in in the lives of of me and others in our generation at least that you've always been kind of cheerleading and saying you you, you girls can do it or you guys can do it and and i the kind of feeling that it creates is when you accomplish something it's like you want to share it with malou because you know she's gonna be like proud and she's gonna yeah. make you feel like she's also sharing in your joy i and believe I think it. that's I a, it and it's not just the girls influence. i mean the guys as well you know who i'm talking about who decide to leave engineering becoming a teacher and when i got that phone call i and i'm thrilled because again that's the that's where you find joy we always told our kids 
it doesn't matter what you choose to do as long as in the end of the day you're happy with what you're doing mm -hmm. and i think the reason i think about doing the company building the company with marco it was some of the happiest time in my i love that job because in the end of the day i was happy for being supporting him for being doing things that we saw the results we put the effort but you see the results we were accomplishing things that brought us joy with the people we work i saw how happy he was doing what he he marco loved what he did trevor i yeah i few people i can say truly enjoy what they do and that was him mm -hmm. and even the challenges the financial challenges or the whatever challenges we had it was so good to get to the other side. So I was happy just as much with him, you know, to move office, to make sure everybody was, those were the joys for mm -hmm. me. And that's what I hope people will understand that money is good. Yeah, money makes life easier and we all need it. I'm not saying sell everything, go live in a van by the river because that's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But enjoy every day and enjoy these small victories, small victories, you know, little things. And, and I count my small victories. That's another thing. After that day, getting out of bed is a small victory. Mm -hmm. Making my bed every day, and I have no shame to say, is a victory to me. I made my bed today. Mm -hmm. I had my cup of coffee. I, you know small little victories and they might mean nothing to somebody else but for me they mean the world getting mm -hmm. a yoga certification or a pilates certification it's like okay finishing my 600 pilates class it's wow like, yeah <laughs> i'm 56 and i did it mm -hmm. <laughs> tylenol helps Wait but hey <laughs> <laughs> so yeah small victories are what makes the big ones coming about, you know. I'm excited that you're moving back and hopefully we <laughs> yes. can get to know you better. That's going to be a small victory, packing the truck and unpacking the truck. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> One challenge, yeah. yeah. Another cross-country move. Another cross-country move. How hard can it be? But thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, Malou. Love you. Love you, too.